All right, everybody. Uh, so here we are for episode 60, Wayne. 60? 60 episodes of this show that we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, a handful of them that we've recorded on video as well. Uh, obviously, if you're listening on Apple or uh, Spotify, you're not seeing us right now, but we, we trust there is trust there is video. We will release it in the future at some point. Uh, we just haven't had time to do that yet. So we'll set up a YouTube page and all that. So look out for that uh, coming in the near future. The magic of post-production is taking a little bit longer than it should. But yes. It will be worth you. Well, everyone's we, time. We also have other lives to live, too. So we got we got stuff going on, people. Yo, man, this, uh, this Diet Coke sponsor money, you know, anytime <laughs> you want to start or, you know, Pepsi, Pepsi, Pepsi Diet Coke. We're not picky. It doesn't matter. It could be. Judging uh, by the size of us, we're, we're, we're <laughs> eager to endorse fast food and all other forms of deliciousness. RC Cola. I'm good. I'm good with that. All right. So this week. I like uh, to talk about my love of Lou Malnati's. <laughs> Chris, delicious, delectable. Don't tell him I've got two in the freezer. Shh. <laughs> anyway, uh, because of one of the movies we're going to be talking about today, it's kind of fits in the category of like stupid teen movie or trashy teen movie. I know. <laughs> you can. That, that is an understatement. So the topic is stupid teen movies. Now, when I say that, that doesn't isn't to be negative towards the films themselves, which we enjoy for the most mm-hmm. part. I can't speak for all the ones I'm going to talk about with that Wayne, if he enjoys them or not. But I enjoy them, um, and I do agree that they're most of them are stupid. But stupid doesn't mean that a movie can't be fun. Here's my question: Was it stupid when we were those the actors' age or the characters' age? I don't really think it. No, it, it wasn't. as much. No, as a crotchety old man now, I'm like, right, what exactly. is this? <laughs> oh, it must be nice to have an endless supply of money to do whatever you yes, want. Yes, exactly. Or like in the movie coming up when the poor person is still very like well off in yeah. the movie, you know. Um, all right, so you know she she's poor, but she has to choose between. Harvard and Berkeley. <laughs> Best summer ever. We're going to go skydiving and shark diving. Yes. And... Not, again, we'll, cynical we'll, old guys yeah. here. but We'll get to that. Adorbs, complete. Uh, totes. So I want to start off with one that I kind of always go to. Um, I think it's one of the seminal teen films of our generation when we grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Can't Hardly Wait. Amanda. <laughs> uh, directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Alfont. Uh, written by them as well, starring Ethan Embry, Charlie Cosmo, Lauren Ambrose, Peter Facinelli, Seth Green, and of course Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was the object of many people's affection back in the day, um, and still Swan. is. <laughs> uh, but the the premise of this movie is Ethan Embry's character is kind of a dork, uh, Preston Myers, and he's in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt's character. And even though they really like haven't had like this relationship or friendship, but he's been in love with her since freshman year when they were uh, had like the same interest that he found in class or whatever. And he he's stuck on this moment, and he wrote her this love letter. Um, <coughs> Laura Lauren Ambrose plays, uh, who's a great character actor nowadays, plays his uh, best friend, who tries to encourage him, but also is very cynical herself mm-hmm. um, in his pursuit of the hot girl in school. Uh, Peter Facinelli is the ex-boyfriend, jock, douchebag. Uh, he plays it very well. Yeah. Um, Jerry O'Connell, play, he's got a cameo as the, as the uh, older, like, freshman in college guy who kind of sets Peter Facinelli straight on don't expect to be, you know, be surrounded by girls that love you. When you get to college, is what they're all expecting. Right. 
Um, you know, this you know. plays right along with Say Anything from uh, yep. you know John Cusack, the 80s. Or, that there was, yeah. Was that a Hughes movie? No. Uh, no, it was um, Almost Famous Guy. That's who it was. That guy who I'm going to display when this <laughs> right here, his name. <laughs> as long Cameron, as you, as, Cameron Crowe. Cameron as long Crow. as you credit him first as Almost Famous Guy. And almost Famous Guy, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe up there. Nope. <laughs> Um, yeah, it does have a lot of the same similarities as that. Um, I will say I do like saying anything better, but that that's a different story. Different conversation. Can't hardly wait. I think mm -hmm. it really hits on a lot of the things that were popular when we were younger. I mean, mm -hmm. the, you know, in the party alone, because it's about this big house party, you have all the, the cliques. You have the um, Seth Green's character and his friends. They all want to listen to, like, gangster rap and think that they're really cool, but they're obviously really not. They're kind of dorky. Uh, you have the nerds, which is Preston, uh, Ethan Embry, and Lauren Ambrose. Um, and even further, you have uh, Melissa Joan Hart is the, the, the peppy one who yes. wants everyone's autograph. Uh, Sean Patrick Thomas is in this as well. Uh, he plays the quote-unquote, when we get to the other movie that we're going to talk about that spoofs this movie, the token black guy in the movie. And that's just what the character, when you go look in all these movies back in the 90s and 80s, there's always that one. You're like, oh, well, we have to have a black person or we have to have an Asian person in this movie. And that's basically what they're there for. And that's, mm -hmm. he does get a little bit more to do, I think. I think they kind of play on that a little bit, which is nice. Uh, but they definitely spoof it in one of the films I have uh, sitting over here. So we'll talk about that when we get to that one. Um, but I, this movie is always, I don't know, a special place in my heart. But it's always been one of those things I've always kind of gone back to. Yeah. Uh, I remember it fondly. It's it's stupid and cheesy, but it's a really fun movie. Uh, Breck and Meyer's in it. They have the band uh, yes. with Donald Faison, Breck and Meyer, um, which is also really fun. They they do a really great performance in the movie. Um there are uh, Jenna, uh, Jenna Elfman shows up as like the angel, but she's right. like a yes, stripper yes, yes. leaving work. But she's like uh, Preston Myers' uh, guardian angel. Mm -hmm. It's just it's sweet, but it's got a lot of heart. You yes. know what I mean? It does it's, have a lot of heart to it. Um, it's sweet, but it's got a lot of heart. It's sweet because it has a lot of heart <laughs> yes. to it. It's got it's you know he hit the nail on the head with it being stupid and whatnot, but you know it's got the love, the chase, and the pursuit at the mm -hmm. end there. It's. It, it leaves you with the warm and fuzzies. It does. Um, a lot of other actors too come through. Jason Segel is the uh, the stoner in the in the back when they're trying when she's trying. Jennifer Lopez is trying to figure out who Preston is. It's kind of tall. It's got hair. <laughs> he wears t-shirts sometimes. <laughs> I need to revisit this because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> oh, so. It's one of my favorite parts. Uh, they have at the end uh, Charlie Korsmo's character. He's the really big nerd mm -hmm. who's been bullied by Peter Fascinelli's character the entire four years they've been in high school. Right. So they try to, he's like, he basically wants to get his revenge. And then he kind of ends up coming around cause he's not that type of person. So he ends up kind of coming around in the other way, but then they kind of make you feel like he ends up becoming Bill Gates type person. Like they do a little like mm -hmm. where, where do they end up kind of future, future type thing. Um, so he, gotta, he gets his revenge in that and that he's very successful and very popular. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's a really fun movie that kind of had it has the plot of like what all these movies like She's All That or Down to You, what they were all based on, mm -hmm. and it to me it's the the original, I guess, in my mind. I don't know when it came out in comparison to She's All That and right. the other ones that fit in this genre, but this one to me is the one that I enjoyed the most, and I really. Um, 
like it's one of those ones when we talk about movies we put on before we go to sleep. I have it on Voodoo, so I throw it on and I watch it, uh, you know, from 10, 15 minutes before I pass out. Yeah. Uh, but it's fun. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, I do recommend checking out, especially if you're in our generation and you've somehow missed it. Uh, it's definitely uh, something that you can't miss. Can't hardly wait. See what it did there? Eh? Eh? It didn't really work. <laughs> but, you know, all of the movies that we're going to be talking about today, I haven't watched in a while. And yes. they all are kind of blending together right now. But, <laughs> you know, I, I can still vividly remember Seth Green with the... the the spiky look hair, the, the goggles. I think at one point he maybe was rocking an upside down visor back. Yes, he had the yep, so. and then he had the um, he had the goggles that just sat on the top of That's his head what it was, for no yeah, reason. Like the headphones, that no, was the goggles. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> he had the backpack that had was full of condoms and candles and like anything that you would need to swoo a, or woo a girl, if you will. Yeah, especially if you get locked into a bathroom at a party. Yes, which is what happens to him and his old friend Lauren Ambrose. Who uh, they end up developing some sort of love connection. Um, there's a joke at the end where they it, where it tells you what happened. Oh, they broke up, and then it's ten minutes later they found a bathroom and got back together. Uh, so the cute little romance there too between those two is they kind of like hate each other in the beginning, but then uh, remember that they used to be friends and, and when they were younger and stuff like that. Right. Um, I think the yeah. biggest focal point. Did, we, did you touch on the letter and the whole the letter? There's of it? yeah. The, so it, the whole plot centers around this letter. I, I mentioned in the beginning. That he wrote her a love letter. Well, he brings it to the party with him, and then it kind of makes its way, like it's stuck to a beer cup, and it makes mm -hmm. its way around the party too. Eventually, she finds it because her name is on it, and then she wants to know who Preston Myers is because she doesn't remember him. And along the way, every single guy is hitting on her because yes. she's just been broken up with. Yes. By Peter Fashionelli's yes. character, and so by the time our main character Preston yeah. gets to her, she's just so sick of guys hitting on her that she just kind of dismisses him immediately. Yes, exactly. That's right. There's a scene where he tries to talk to her and she just blows him off. Not even knowing at that point that he's actually like in love with her. Like most these mo of these movies in the 90s, it ends at an airport. Because mm -hmm. that's just how they that's how they did it. Someone was going on an, air an airplane and the other person had to rush to the airport to stop them from getting on that airplane. Uh, and that's exactly what happens here. And they, you know, it ends happily ever after. Obviously... You know, these movies are a fantasy. That's not how love works in real life most of the time. No. Um, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time doesn't work like that. But uh, it is a cute, you know, little teen romance. It is. Romance it's adorable. Romance. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's really a lot of fun. You probably saw this with a significant other at one point in your life, and you had the warm and fuzzy. It's like, oh, we're going to be together forever. And then, of course, you break up like two weeks later. It's like, <laughs> well, shit, who's next? <laughs> All right. The so, nuances of teenage love. Yes, exactly. All right, so what's the next one you got on the docket here? You have got some fantastic. So I'll jump. To, I've got another one that just came to mind, but I'm gonna I'll stick to one on here first since I have this set up here and I haven't talked about one of these yet. We're gonna start with uh, one of my personal favorites, and it also stars Ethan Embry. It also stars uh, Renee Zellweger, Robin Tooney. Um, Liv Tyler is the main character, obviously. Anthony LaPaglia, Rory Cochran. Uh, it is uh, a film about a bunch of teenagers working at a record store, which is something I did back in the day. I worked at uh, Camelot Music at St. Charles Mall. Uh, so this movie came out a, a couple years before that. Um, but I, I was always a big fan when it came out, and then having working, working at Camelot Music mm -hmm. and then working at Blockbuster after that, I really kind of felt like this movie was... 
speaking to me, I guess, in a way, because it was about retail. And it's about kids goofing off and having fun, uh, making shit for money, uh, but just enjoying their time together at a retail store. Um, obviously, there's a lot of teen drama inside Empire yep. Records. Uh, Liv Tyler, is her character is in love with Rex Manning. Uh, so Liv Tyler plays Corey. Corey is in love with Rex Manning, played by Maxwell Caulfield, who we talked about in Grease 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is this big rock star, but kind of like, um, what's the what's the coming to America guy? Neil Diamond. Kind of like that rock star, where mostly his, most of his fans are in their, like, 50s. Rock star. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and but she for some reason she's got like this crush on him. It's like her one and only like Hollywood crush, and she wants to like give herself to him. That's the the plot essentially. Uh, also mixed around daddy issues. Yes, exactly. Mixed around in the plot, Rory Cochran plays the new manager, assistant manager, who uh, finds out that they're gonna sell turn it into a uh, like a bathroom store, like a just a like a a home goods store, mm-hmm. and he uh, takes the money from the from the night's uh, shift and goes to Atlantic City and gambles it and loses it all. So they're trying to find him. Anthony LaPaglia plays the manager, Joe, and um, Joe's trying to find him but also kind of keep him in check and hope that he doesn't get him arrested. Uh, the other, you have Ethan Embry, who plays the, the crazy uh, heavy metal kid. Uh, this time he was actually known as Ethan Randall. He plays Mark. Uh, there's a great scene in this one where he gets to be in, like, he gets high and he gets to be in the Gore music video and he gets uh, consumed by the giant monster in the Gore music <laughs> video. Um, pretty crazy, uh, like, visuals from that scene. Uh, I always remember um, the opening scene. It's not the opening scene, next, actually, but it's when you meet all the characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got Renee Zellweger. Uh, Liv Tyler finally shows up. Um, the, uh, the, the store opening montage. Yes, basically, yeah, where they put on the song. They're mm-hmm. all like cleaning and getting the CDs put away from the night before and doing all the all the stuff, the opening stuff. Always one of my favorite scenes in the movie. There's also yes. a scene where Joe goes crazy and plays ACDC, uh, which is a really cool store scene. Mm-hmm. Um, an early role from Renee Zellweger. I mean, I you know, she... Many people don't know this, but one of her first roles, she is Days and Confused, which she's mm-hmm. very minor in for like five seconds. She was also in with Matthew McConaughey, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of Empire Records and I think Jerry Maguire, that movie eventually got released because it was unreleased. So this was like kind of her biggest role before Jerry Maguire. And so she kind of, this was like right before she broke out. Um and it's just kind of fun to see her in this in this type of role. She plays well all the actors that you listed off, you know, and like it's teen comedy, and now yeah. they're you know in their forties and fifties. Right, now. exactly. And we see yeah. them in a, such a different light, and it's like, remember when they did <laughs> such and such? <laughs> exactly. You know, Renee Zellweger's won two Oscars since then, so it's just kind of crazy that to to see where these people come from. Yes. Um, and it, it's. It's fun to go back and revisit them from time to time. A Coyote Shivers is also in this movie. He's an actual musician. Uh, he plays um, Robin Tooney's character, uh, Deb. Her boyfriend, they're, like, having problems, and they're suicide. Uh, she's got um, cuts on her wrist from uh, trying to commit suicide or cutting herself. They never really go fully into detail. I mean, they, I, don't know, I take that back. They do talk about it, and they actually give her um, 
a fake funeral, which is everyone. It's funny. Everyone's supposed to talk about her, but mostly they just end up airing their own problems right. and, and grief, grievances and issues and becoming friends with each other again after, because it's like almost like a soap opera with inside a music store as everyone like hates each other, loves each other all throughout an hour and 30 minute movie. Yes. Um, Let's see if there's anyone else. Oh, Debbie Mazar is in it. She plays the um, the agent or the manager to Rex Manning. Uh, she's really good. Um, the whole Rex Manning day, that's become, I know, anytime that passes in real life, when people post it all over Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so Rex Manning day has become a thing. It's kind of uh, made itself into the uh, lexicon of our culture, especially from people like us who grew up in the 90s. Um, it had an interesting, like, making, it did not make any money. I don't, it doesn't say how many theaters it opened in. Wait, this is just something interesting to talk about this movie. Like, it gained most of its popularity from home video. Right. So, it made, opening weekend, $150,000. And this oh. is a, this is a big movie that was in a lot of theaters. Uh, it's, North America total was $303,000. Almost $304,000. Um, against a ten million dollar budget, so yeah, that's a, that's a bomb. That's flop. a that's a super um, flop. Um, it yeah, it's kind of crazy that it, it you never really hear of a movie bombing that badly, right? Um, being that it was one, like I said, it was released in major theaters. You know, nowadays you get four thousand theaters. So say it maybe had like a thousand back then. Right. It wasn't it wasn't at the level, but still, a bad flop back in the nineties was making like you know ten million dollars. Yeah. Something like that. So that's really, really terrible. <laughs> so, like again, again, I don't remember exactly what year this came out. Early nineties, obviously. Ninety five. It was mid nineties. Oh, ninety five. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like I don't remember any like commercials or media or advertising for this. Like I remember seeing "Can't Hardly Wait" being yeah. advertised, and I saw "Can't the Hardly trailers. Wait" in theaters. Yeah. It's, I don't remember yeah. anything for Empire Records, honestly. So I don't think if it was a, a marketing thing or it's possible it that Warner Brothers, you know, viewed it as it not. It wasn't going to be successful, mm-hmm. so then they just didn't promote it at all. That happens. Yeah. Uh, but then it hit home video, and it was a massive hit. I mean, that's what made this movie uh, sit and be remembered. Well, I remember the first time I watched this. It was at a friend's house yeah. for a sleepover. It's like, have you ever seen this? I'm like, no, what is it? And yeah, we watched. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, from the soundtrack to, it's to got the, a great soundtrack, the comedic yeah. to the attitudes and the whole, you know, like, like you mentioned the fake funeral thing. Yes, yeah. It's, so. it's very emotional and funny and just kind of all together heartwarming at the end of the movie. Exactly. All right. So uh, moving on to another one I don't have up there. I wanted to talk about though, um, that I just thought about when we were sitting here, 10 things I hate about you. I always wanted to make sure that we talked about this one. I saw this one with my very first serious girlfriend, um, Nikki, wherever you are, I have fond members of you watching this movie <laughs> with me. Uh, don't tell my wife I brought up an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> We're recording. Um, not that Allegedly. They yeah. Yeah, they don't want to. It's whatever we want. Directed by Gil Younger, uh, written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith, uh, based on Taming the Shrew. I think everybody knows it at yes. this point uh, by William Shakespeare, some writer guy from back in like the, the hundreds. Um, let's see. Bill Shakespeare or something. Yeah, right? something like that. Starring Julia Stiles, the late Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Larissa Olenek, Larry Miller, Andrew Keegan, David Krumholtz, and Susan May Pratt. Uh, Clarissa explains it all. Huh? 
No, Clarissa does not explain it all. That's the girl, Elena. Or, or Elena. Oh, uh, Larissa Elena. That's, no. I it? can never say her name properly, so I always refer to it as uh, Clarissa, who explains it all. Was she Clarissa who explained it all? I thought that was... No, that was Melissa Joan Hart. That was Melissa Joan Hart, yeah. That's, like, that's what I was like, wait a minute, I'm, you're confusing She's me. in the one where she turns to liquid, it was a Nickelodeon show. And... She was in the Babysitter's Club, the Swan Princess. Uh... <laughs> Oops. Oh, she was in Atlas Shrugged. I'm sorry. Um, like, uh, here's her. Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. The Secret World of Alex Mack. That's, that's what that's it is. Alex Mack. I knew she, you're right, because I knew she, and she was also in Adventures of Pete and Pete as well. Uh, only for like an episode. Boy Meets World. Uh, anyway, so yeah, she she is um, someone who uh, is recognizable. Should uh, we just start over with the cast list? No, that's okay. Fuck <laughs> it. Let's just keep going. Um, the show goes on. The show must go on. And uh, so this movie, Julia Stiles is kind of the the shrew, if you will, mm-hmm. the bitter older sister of. Um, let me get the character names real quick. Uh, Julia says Katerina. And Larissa plays Bianca. So Bianca is the young daughter who wants to go on a date with uh, Andrew Keegan's character, Joey. And she can't go on a date until uh, Katarina Cat goes on a date. So the whole point of the movie is to get Cat a date. Mm-hmm. Now, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays another character, a new student who's more nerdy uh, than Andrew Keegan's character. And he is kind of using it for the same thing, He wants, but he wants to go on a date with... Uh, Bianca. Bianca. Yes. And so he's trying to use Andrew Keegan, just like everybody else is, Joey, uh, hmm. to not only get... He was paying Keith... Le- Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger that's what it was. Sorry. I'm drawing... So he's paying... It's Heath a very Le- complex yes. storyline. You, are you familiar with Shakespeare? That's right. Guy's got some, some complexities to it. Forget him. Joey. He's a dick. Uh, Heath Ledger's character is being paid to take out Cat. Uh, and Pat, that's Patrick. So Patrick is the bad boy mm-hmm. in school. And... He, um, you know, ends up falling for her. Obviously, yes. the famous scene of him dancing and singing in the You're just the too good to be true. Yes. He had a great voice. Rest in peace, Heath. Um, it's a great scene <laughs> yes. with with uh, him and uh, Kat. And the whole marching band and soccer yeah. practice. It's just adorable. It's fantastic. It actually made me figure out who actually did that song in uh, Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. And maybe a huge fan for life, but yeah. Yeah. Just how funny things tie together. No, for life. sure. Um, and so they end up going on trying to convince her to go on a date with him, and then she eventually does, but she finds out, and yeah. so she's very angry. Everyone's upset. Am I a bet? Am I a stupid bet? Oh, wait, no, yeah. that's a different movie. Sorry. <laughs> Same premise. Um, and, you know, she ends up obviously forgiving him because she really does like him. I, you can't say fall in love because they're teenagers, but it, essentially that's what happens. She basically ex- expresses herself, exposes herself, yeah. her feelings. Mm-hmm. She's one of these people that has no feelings or emotions. She just, you know, she's a badass. Yes, she's a badass, yeah. and so is Heath Ledger. And so when she opens up to him, it makes him realize that he actually cares for her mm-hmm. um, in his own way. And it, it then allows also the... Throughout all of this, Joey, played by Andrew Keegan, is then outed as like being a complete douchebag yes. asshole. And so Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character ends up going on a date with Bianca, mm-hmm. and all is well, and well, everyone's happy. Uh, lovey dovey. J- D- David Krumholtz ends up getting into a relationship with a, a girl who likes Shakespeare as much as he does. Mm-hmm. That's part of the premise as well. The f- uh, Bianca and Kat's father. 
is Larry also... Miller is hilarious in this film. He plays a perfect dad. He's a surgeon. Um, yeah, he's hilarious, and he's very deadpan in this film. He plays it perfectly. I mean, it was one of the bright spots, definitely. I mean, the whole movie is really good, but that's definitely a bright spot. <laughs> it keeps me up to my elbows and placenta. And yes. <laughs> he doesn't want his daughters to date, obviously. He tells them these horror stories about Yes, of teenage girls getting pregnant yes. and, and so the, the kind of keep them on the straight and narrow, if you will. Um, and they keep telling them that they're not going to be those girls, but... The epic end of the movie where, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the band? Uh, 99 Red Balloons, but it's the German version. Or, no, no, I Want no. You to Want Me. Oh, that's what it was. I Want You to Want Yeah, it's uh, St. Ferris, right? Yeah, St. Ferris. Yes. They take their name from Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sing I Want You to Want Me on, on the rooftop. Um, they also, I think they also did a 99 Red Balloons cover, which that's that's sticking in my head for some reason. It fits. It definitely fits. Um, rest of the cast, Gabriel Union has a small role in this. Daryl Mitchell who uh, not long after this movie ended up becoming paralyzed but still continued to act. Allison Janney plays the – she plays the counselor who's yes. writing the romance novel. The smut, if you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's, it just, it's an early look. You know, as much as she had been around for a while, Allison Janney didn't really become popular until I would say Juno was like the role that made her right. kind of like, oh, okay, she's the go-to like mom or stepmom or whatever character that we need. And she's now kind of cemented that. And this was an early version of that type of character that she plays now. Um, and I think people, I don't know if people don't remember it or what, but it it really, it shows you that how perfect she was for the roles that she is now getting like on Mom and uh, in I, Tanya and just some of the other stuff that she's been in and her Oscar winning role in I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Um, see if there's anybody else in here. Uh, yeah, Save Ferris uh, appears at the end. Gotcha. That's about it. But uh, movie-wise, it's just it's a lot of fun. Um, it probably well, I would say one of the better made like teen films from our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you can look at it and see that like like where we talk about so like I don't know that I would necessarily put this one in the stupid teen category because I no. actually feel like this one is really well made. And very smart in, yes. a, in its own right. And yeah, they talk about the feminine mystique, I mean, of all yes. things, that, the novel. And a very great, uh, talented, young cast. Yeah. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would go on to be Oscar-nominated. Uh, Heath Ledger obviously won for The Dark Knight right. uh, uh, after he passed away. Uh, Julia Stiles has made a long career out of really kind of weird and odd performances showing up in, in weird places here and there. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the casts that I actually believed all could have been in high school with the exception of Heath Ledger's character. Yes. Everybody else <laughs> looks like they they belong in high school. What's funny, though, is I think at the time he was high school age. He just looked older. Gotcha. Like he, let's see, let's let, let's get a little... So he was 20 when it came out. Oh, so yeah. So he was like definitely. 19 when he filmed it. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't seen this movie, I think it was on Disney Plus at some point. It may be on Hulu now because they, they kind of bounced their movies between Disney right. Plus and Hulu. Uh, it was owned by 20th Century Fox, so it was part of that deal. Absolutely a fantastic movie that I can watch. Like if I pick yes. it up or I see that it's on anywhere in the movie, I will stop and watch it all the way through. So yes, agreed. Uh, we're gonna move Jump Street. I think we kind of talked about Jump Street before. It's a funny movie if you haven't seen it. It's two guys in high school. Watch yeah. it. Uh, but this one is another one that I wanted. This is a, I, I feel like this is conceived to be a bad movie. Uh, people. Their opinion is that it's not good, but I have always been a fan of this movie. Way you got to go on with a suspension of disbelief. On yes, this one. I yes. Mean, it is. <laughs> I mean, Emil Hirsch is fantastic. 
Timothy yeah, Oliphant is great. Before I jump in. Uh, let's see. Directed by Luke Greenfield. Lots of writers on this one. Uh, I won't even name them all. Um, if you can't see, we're talking about The Girl Next Door. Oh, yeah, sorry. The Girl, 2004, Next, the Girl Next Door, 2004. You are yes. correct. Um, Emile Hirsch, Alicia Cuthbert, who's on the cover. Timothy Oliphant, James Remar, Chris Marquette, and Paul Dano. So, Paul Dano, another, like, actor who's gone on to be, like, very well regarded in his in his uh, day job as an actor. Mm-hmm. is also a filmmaker now, too. Started, or I don't know if he started, but he had a small role on The Sopranos as one of Anthony Jr.'s friends. Yes. So, um, so making those connections. A big role here for him is the uh, friend to Emile Hirsch, along with Chris Marquette, who's another actor that was, if you watch these movies back in the day, he was in quite a few of them. Um, okay, so the plot is Emile Hirsch uh, is just kind of like lonely, nerdy kid at school. Um, let's see. It's been a while since I've watched this one. Um they want to get, like, prom dates, and they end up, like, getting porn stars. I mean, that's, like, the, the, the basic premise. Alicia Cuthbert's character uh, is a adult, adult actress. Adult film star. Yeah. And she moves in with her grandmother or her aunt next yes. door to Emile Hirsch. Hence the girl next door. And he is completely smitten. Yes. Uh, Emile Hirsch's character is the valedictorian of his high school. And one of the things he's trying to accomplish is there's a Cambodian exchange student uh, named Sam Young, who he's trying to bring over to his school, and he's raising a campaign and raising money. Of course, the uh, the joke gets get Sam Young, referring to sex, insert joke here. <laughs> so, uh, at some point, uh, Timmy Oliphant, Timothy Oliphant's character is uh, Alicia Cuthbert's manager or producer, or something. yeah, both. I think a couple weird, of different of those. You know, really old dude. Who may or may not have been grooming her? I don't, I don't think too much into it. It's played as a comedy, yeah. so that none of that kind of stuff comes up in the in the film. I think they even address mm-hmm. the fact that like these girls are in it because like this is what they chose to do. It's not something that they were forced right. into. It's just it had a weird undertone. I'm yes. sorry to take it, that <laughs> um, at some point uh, he uh, Oliphant's character steals the money that he raised for Sam Young, and they need to. Um, I think they they're at the prom with the uh, the porn stars, yes. the kids, the guys. And they down. make a an educational, a real life educational uh, sex sex education video. That's right. <laughs> they make it, and they make it on school property. Yeah. And Paul Dano's character uh, becomes the star of it because yes. of his giant his gifts, if you will. Yes, I was gonna say giant wing, but gifts gifts works too, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Snow showing after dark. So they um, make the video and like everyone's kind of in an uproar and they end up getting like, I think they get, did they get suspended? I don't know if they get suspended because they completed, there's a whole, obviously I need to watch this movie again. But, they collaborate with Oliphant and he gets yes. it released and it makes a shitload of money. Yes, that's what it was, yes. And uh, it's a really good movie. It's a lot of fun. James Remar plays like, he's the villain, like he's the head porn producer right that they kind of screw over i want to say i think so. i believe so yeah. yes um but yeah i mean it's very coming of age it's very um i'm struggling to get the proper words for it while it is a comedy there is a lot of drama in there and you feel yes. a lot of things that, a lot of tension a lot of suspense 
it's got some flawed characters, some emotional yeah. stuff in there where you got to really kind of deal with your like you it will bring up stuff. Yes, it's not necessarily a trigger, but it makes you stop and think, and you can relate to these characters and what they're going through. It's, so it's again, it's another one. I would still I would put it in the stupid teen category just because of the porn stars and the the school antics that go on to the prom and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But there is no TNA. That there's no no there really isn't. So like you go to watch it. Yeah, if you go to watch it for that. There's not much. There's a little bit, but there's not much of that. Um, it's not. It wasn't made with that purpose. Right. It wasn't made to be like a Porky's or something like that. Right. Um, it. It is really a good movie, and I didn't. I'll be honest; I didn't realize it's not that it's a great number. Fifty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty solid for a movie yeah. like this. Um, so it, decently reviewed. Uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. I think I feel like it's one that probably has fallen through the cracks a little bit. Um, it made domestically fourteen million dollars here, so it didn't. It didn't do great, right. uh, but it did also cost very much, so it did well. I think well enough for that. Um, but definitely one of those movies that when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is one that I'm going to watch, you know, obviously I haven't watched it in a while, but I have watched it a few times back in the day. Um, one I'm going to watch for, you know, years to come, if you will. Um, Pun intended? Yeah, sure. Why <laughs> All right. So before we jump into the spoof aspect of some of these movies, I want to take a look back when, cause I don't, for some reason I'm missing my copy of American Pie. I don't know what happened to it. If someone stole it from me or what. But I do have a I do not have that one. Although I do have a couple others. <laughs> no, I it was it was a couple years ago that I realized it was missing. Um, I now have it digitally, so not a big deal. But here's American Reunion. And this movie um, is a little Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the nostalgia effect, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, because it takes the idea of these movies that we enjoyed when we were teenagers, mm-hmm. American Pie, American Pie Two, American American Wedding. Um, and throws it into, we're now their age, you know, they make this movie and we're that age. So they're, they're hoping to kind of hit on how our personality and comedic, uh, brand has still kind of hopefully stayed the same as what they're hoping. I I feel like we've all gotten a little smarter maybe, but I still like a good dumb movie every once in a while. Um, so I think I thought. And it's just me. I thought American Reunion did a good job of of that nostalgia factor, bringing kind of everybody back. Um, it, I'm glad they were able this time around to get everybody because yes. with American Wedding, it was basically Jim and Stifler were the two main characters, um, which I you know I like them, but it, it's it was nice to have a film where it brings back uh, the entire cast. Yes, and you even get Tara Reid in there. Um, some of the other smaller characters that uh, John Cho stops by. There's a great great moment in the movie where they reminisce about him and the other MILF guy mm-hmm. and like how they, they drifted apart after, after high school. Yes. Um, and then they, they even have their own reunion later at the actual reunion. Yeah. Um, it's the plot is they're going back for their high school, their 20 year high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Klein's character, uh, Oz is a sports, uh, uh, announcer or analyst, if you will. Speaking of 20 year reunions, sir, don't yeah. you have that coming up this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't think anything's happening. Though, <laughs> Mine because, would have been in 2020. Yeah. That was obviously, nah. They were trying to get something going, I think. But, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. The last, the 10-year reunion was fun. Um, so. I talked to everybody that I, uh. Right, that's exactly how I looked need to at talk it. to? The people that I so, wanted to keep in touch with, I kept in touch with for the most part. One of the few pluses of social media these days. Yes. 
Um, and then you have you have Jim and uh, his wife. I'm drawing a blank on her, but it's the girl from uh, Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yeah. How, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, Allison Hannigan. And they're you know they're I prefer kind, calling her Bandcamp, but Bandcamp. no, I'm just kidding. They're Allison, kind right. of in a rut right now. They had a kid. He's like four, and they're they're not really uh, having sexy time as much as they would prefer. Um, you have um, Kevin, who's uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, who. He he just misses the boys basically. He's yes. you know he's with his wife. Uh, they're happy. He's like a stay-at-home husband. Uh, even though like I don't think they I think they're having kids because I don't think they have kids yet. I think Jim's the only one that actually has a kid, but they're planning on having kids. And then you have um, what's his name? Sh- Shipbreak is what I remember. But that's not his name. Uh, <laughs> that's what they call him in the movie. Jim? No. No. God, uh, Jim is the other guy. Uh, why can I? Oh, I'm looking it up right now. It's okay. This show is going off the oh road. Oh my gosh. Every fucking We might have to section bad. this one out and put it up <laughs> as a montage. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eddie K. Thomas is the actor, actor, who plays Finch. I knew Finch. it was like one word. Uh, he's like a nomad, as he claims, but really he's just like broke and has no job and <laughs> like kind of lives off his parents. Um, but there's a good story that, like, he has, like, a good ending. Stifler is trying to be successful, but he's still an asshole. And he uh, is at this shitty firm where the boss is a nerd in high school who decides that he's going to bully the bully. Uh, because that's the kind of person Stifler was. So Kind of think about what we talked about with uh, Can't Hardly Wait, that yeah. whole aspect between the, the jock exactly. and the nerd. It, this, it, it backfires in the other way, though, and it, there's a great moment, too, where uh, the guys get together, because they didn't really want Stifler at first to come along, but they, I think it's Chris Klein Oz, who gets they're like, but you're our asshole. So, like, he belongs to the group, even though he's kind of a dick and they don't really like him and he does lots of crazy shit in this movie, he's still an a-hole. Um yeah, it's a, it's but a, he does he, he does genuinely care. He does, yes, he does. And Just like in uh, American Wedding, there where yeah. he ruins the wedding, but he goes out of his way to like make it right. Yes, exactly. fuckers. Yeah. Um, it you know it's a movie about going back. I guess that's that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because it really it still hits on all those teen moments because it's about them going back to their old town, going back to the old bars, going back to the old their old friends and seeing the people they grew up with and reliving those moments. The girl next door who was a girl that he used to babysit for who's now really hot. Like that, those type of moments that they put in this movie. Um, (laughs) And they even bring back, uh, what's her name? Natasha. Natasha Leone, obviously. Oh yeah. You know what Uh, I'm talking about from the internet, the clip in the first American pie. Shannon Elizabeth. She plays the foreign exchange student, Nadia. Nadia, Natasha. She, yeah. yeah uh, God, we're bad at this today. <laughs> Nadia comes back, and she's married to someone that looks almost exactly like Jim. <laughs> That's her husband, yeah. so there's that funny moment in there, too. Yeah. Uh, when, of course, uh, Allison Hannigan and Jim are uh, having sex in the, I think in the band room this time. Yeah. So it's just one of those, again, it's one of those movies that takes a nice trip down nostalgia lane for kids like us who grew up in the 90s. Uh, with American Pie as being like one of those teen classics. We're not, we talked about American Pie before. That's why I didn't yeah. bring that one up this time. Yeah, and, uh, and, and American Pie, this is really kind of, I'm, I'm going to say beating a dead horse. Yes. Because of all the direct-to-video spinoffs and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. the the Naked Mile and 
you know, this made a house the and, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think they made a band camp movie with. They made a band camp. They just had another <laughs> one uh, come out that was all girls. Yeah. I think Eugene Levy is the one who's in it every every one of yes. them, just as a spoof type thing. <laughs> <clears throat> to make to connect them really, because yeah. one of them like Stifler's cousin, like they have other movies, yes, or yes. other characters that connect. Um, all right, so the next two we have are spoof movies, and I wanted to talk about this one because I love this movie. This is scary movie, uh, obviously spoofing Scream. I know what you did that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of other movies, but it mainly is Scream, and Scream, as you know, is one of my favorite movies. If you listen to us, of all time. So this movie has always held a, a special place for me because it spoofs it pretty well. Like, it does a really good job. It adds, you know, the Wayne's Brothers demented humor into it and mm-hmm. gross-out humor and stuff like that. Um, it it just, I don't know, it hits, it hits all the marks right. You know, whether you like the sequels or not and how many they made of them. I think the first one is great. I think the second one is okay. The rest of them I can take or leave them after that. Most of them are pretty awful. But right. Uh, this one, the original, is just always stuck out to me. It's still being good. I haven't watched it in a while, so I can't say it holds up. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. It was a great introduction to um, what's her name? Uh, uh, one that was married to Chris Pratt. Yeah, that one. What's her Anna? 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 Something. But we're really bad at this today, guys. Her picture is right here. Yes, she's right there. Her, Anna. You said Anna, I immediately went to Pequin. I know that's not right. <laughs> Golly. Why is her name not on the back? They got Carmen Electra, Marlon Wayans, and uh, John Abrams on the back of this, who was in Meet the Parents. I'm trying to look for her name. This sucks. I should have had it up on my phone. I can't read this. This is in small print. <laughs> Anna Ferris. Found it. Real small in there. Anna Ferris is part of this movie. This is like her introduction, basically, into cinema. Is she named after Ferris Bueller, too? Uh, I believe so. Ah, very good. That's why they took her last name. Uh, they spelled it differently, though. Well, yeah, you uh, have the original a little bit there. So they take, you know, they make fun of the, uh, uh, one of the best parts is Shannon Elizabeth plays the Sarah Michelle Gellar character from I Know What You Did Last Summer, and continues to argue with the serial killer after he cuts her head off, which <laughs> I thought was a really, really fun moment. Um yeah, just Marlon Wayans uh, and Sean Wayans in it too. They spoof, they spoof uh, like Varsity Blues. Like they, they kind of go all around. And the next movie we get to, they do the same thing. Yes. Um, but it, it really was a fun movie. I know I'm kind of. I just like when she beats the shit out of the ring chick. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait a minute. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't think that was in this one, but it's in one of them. Um, Again, they're all kind of blend yeah, they all blend together. Now, so. Oh, man, Miramax. Remember Miramax before Harvey Weinstein was a creep? Well, I guess yeah. he was always a creep. Before well, we knew he was a creep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they had a just, lot of movies. When you think, when you say scary movie, I always think Mar- Marlon Wayans, run, bitch, run. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to the opening, too, with Sean Waynes and uh, Regina King. and uh, Or Regina Hall, sorry. Regina Hall. Apologize for that. Regina Hall. They're in the – they're she's shouting at the movie, but they're watching, like – they're not watching a scary movie. They're watching, like, Terms of Endearment or so, something like that. <laughs> and then everybody else just ends up stabbing her because mm-hmm. she keeps talking throughout the whole movie. All right, so we're going to – before we get into our next segment, we're going to get into this last one here, which I think is completely underrated. Not another teen movie. Yes. So Chris Evans was the star of this. This was, like, his big break. 
Uh, Jamie Presley is in this. Eric Christian Olsen. Um, Dion Richmond. Uh, Lacey Chabert. Uh, just so many, so many actors in this movie. Is Randy this the Quaid. one where they have the James Vanderbeek spoof where he climbs it through the window like in Dallas Creek? Oops, wrong yes. window. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think, yes. Yes, they do. Because um, Billy Bob from uh, Varsity Blues. plays Billy Bob. Okay. He plays himself in this. But he gets like 90 concussions throughout the whole movie. Um, so Chris Evans is the main character. Uh, Mia Kirshner is also in it. Uh, this girl right here, the one that plays the new Jim, if you will, because she they do American Pie. They do She's All That. Mm-hmm. They do... Um, was the uh, Varsity Blues? Yeah, that's Eric Christian Olsen plays the Paul Walker character because he was in She's All That and Varsity Blues. So they did a good job too of taking actors to play other characters, but they would make them play them in many different scenarios from their all their movies. Yes. So I thought that was like a fun element. To I mean, it. Chris Chris Evans in the whipped cream bikini. Yes. You know, hey, how with you doing? the banana in the back. <laughs> it was the banana split. That's right. <laughs> Oh, man, this movie is hilarious. It is. I'm, I'm sorry. I, When's the last time you watched that one? Oh, uh, It's been a while. The problem like, is, is, I can tell you right now, it's been a while for most of these movies, except for maybe Empire Records. My wife hates them all. So I don't get a chance to really rewatch them. Miranda uh, hates these as well. It's, yes. It's, she cannot stand stupid comedy. So I'm kind of <laughs> like, oh, well, all right. It's difficult uh, to, to watch them all the time, especially something like this. This is a spoof movie. It's got lots of nudity, lots of gross-out humor and stuff yeah, like definitely that. Definitely can't have something on at work because, you know, your yes. boss is going to the next thing you know. What the all Well, right. see, the thing about that was, sir, I was doing research on uh, edits. Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> not going to work. Uh, so Shyler Lee, who now uh, was on – she was on um, Supergirl as her sister. She uh, plays Janie Briggs, who is the pretty ugly girl. But when she takes her glasses, and, oh my god, she's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Or when they walk by, like, yeah, oh my god, the glasses and the and the uh, ponytail. She's wearing overalls. <laughs> um, Chris Evans plays Jake Weiler, the popular jock. Jamie Presley plays Priscilla, the nasty cheerleader. That's the uh, one of my favorite lines is, oh, you better bring it. Oh, it's. It's already been brought in, I think, or something like that. Oh, yeah, we're going to brought in. Yeah, yeah, we're going to brought in. It's already been brought in. Yeah, she totally like messes that whole thing up. Uh, Mira K- Mia Kirshner plays the... See, this is what I'm talking about, too. They This from Cruel Intentions. She plays the Sarah Michelle Gell character from Cruel Intentions, basically, <laughs> who's the stepsister to Chris Evans, who wants to have sex with him. Um, Speaking of Cruel Intentions, I know not the yes. same genre, but... And I know we've, we've talked about this one in the past, but... yes. That was a very interesting one from this time period. It was, yeah. Not so much a comedy, more of a... a Definitely a drama. It's based on... Um, there was a movie made in the late 80s with John Malkovich that, that it's based on. Okay. It's like an old story. But, you know, that's going to tie in nicely to one of the, the, the movies that we're going to review with Rich Kid Problems. Yes, so. exactly. So, anyway, not to get into that one, but it was from this time period and teen drama, so... Yes, exactly. Um, you, you also had the one thing I was going to mention, Sam Levine, Lacey Chabert, like I mentioned before, Lacey Chabert plays the Jennifer Love Hewitt character, which is funny because Lacey Chabert played her sister on the, the TV party of five, party of five and kind of looks like a younger version of Jennifer Love Hewitt a little bit. Yep. So it was funny for them mm-hmm. to see her, uh, see her play that Serena Vincent plays the, uh, the foreign exchange student who is just naked the entire movie. Um, but you have Dion Richmond plays is the Ned Campbell in this one too. No, not in this one. Okay. 
you have Dan Richmond who plays the token black guy, but then you have Sean Patrick Thomas from Can't Hardly Wait shows up at the party, and then you have Dan Richmond goes, "Hey, wait a minute, I'm the only black guy at this party. You got to get out, man." He's like, "Oh, my bad, dude," and he walks <laughs> out. Uh, so I, that was a tie-in from Can't Hardly Wait. Mm-hmm. So they directly spoofed that with that again. Same with the. Um, uh, Varsity Blues, having Billy Bob play Billy Bob in the movie. Right. Uh, you also have Eric Christian Olsen, who plays the Paul Walker character, who's, whose big thing is to, uh, Little Miss ran home to her daddy, ran home to her daddy. He repeats all his one-liners in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually gets knocked unconscious, so it pays out. Um, Randy Quaid plays the drunk father of Shiloh Lee's character, uh, uh, what, what I just met, I just said her name. Uh, Jamie, I think is what her name is. Jane, Jamie, Jamie Briggs. Jamie Briggs. Um, and he's like, got like he like he's stuck in Vietnam, and it's just this crazy. It's a really, really bizarre spoof movie. Um, I think because the scary movies movies were popular back then, it kind of fell maybe a little bit uh to the side, I guess. But I think a lot of people that I know really like it, and I really dig this movie. It's really, it truly is funny. And when you when it comes to comedy. Uh, the hardest thing to do, I think, sometimes is to make somebody laugh. Yep. So my my rule is, if you can make me laugh, most likely I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to enjoy the movie. Whether the plot's great or not, it doesn't matter. It's getting that laugh out of me. Because laugh, I feel like the opposite for horror movies is like scaring people can be pretty easy at times. But that's why it's so hard to make a good one sometimes because you're trying to be, you, the plot needs to kind of be ramped up a little bit to stand out. Where in a comedy, it's so hard to get people to laugh all the time. I think you really, if you can accomplish that, you've done something successful, whether the movie is considered good or bad or, you know, or whatever in the middle. Right. It's it's done its job, in my opinion. Well, there's always a debate on whether or not a movie is scary enough. But if a comedy just isn't funny, it, there's oh no God. debate on that one. Yeah. It's just like... It, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. Um, so this movie, we talked about the other one... Uh, the girl next door only made fourteen million domestically. This one made twelve million its opening weekend win. Hmm. It grossed thirty-eight million domestically and twenty-eight million internationally for a total of sixty-six million. Doesn't say what the budget is, but I can't imagine it was very high. Right. Um, this one does not have a great Rotten Tomatoes uh, uh, review, uh, score, so uh, don't don't pay attention to that. Just why well, it pops up on Netflix all the time. So if you haven't seen it, it'll be out there. How much stock do you put into those review scores? Um, you know, I, the problem, I think the problem that people have is they, they look at Rotten Tomatoes as if they're a person mm-hmm. and Rotten Tomatoes is a, a site that takes all the critics reviews and averages them out. Mm-hmm. There's no, I don't think there's any like foul player going on. Like there are simply just movies that are rated like five or less are rated bad. Five could actually mean it's a decent movie. Right. Five out of 10. It's not terrible. I don't usually care what the score is. I don't care what people say about it. I will see it and make, make my own decision because yeah. far too often I've been like, Oh, it's only got this. And then I watch it. And I'm like, I really enjoyed this. There. Yes. There's definitely a lot of movies that don't, um, deserve. I think the rating and you know, the thing about film and music Two, overall, over time, things place where they're supposed to. So if there's a movie that's supposed to become a classic, over time it will become that classic. And right. a lot of times, like Halloween got awful reviews when it mm-hmm. came out. Halloween is obviously, as everyone knows, one of my favorite movies of all time. And mm-hmm. a classic. 
And they're, they're like the thing I think too is another John Carpenter one, bad reviews, classic. Like there's movies that just at the time when they come out, they don't hit, but later in time people revisit them and they go, oh, you know what? It's actually not that bad. Like I was expecting this, but I got this, but this is actually pretty good. Um, you know, you brought up Halloween, and we recently just had the Bears' first preseason football game. Yes. And I'm looking at the calendar, it's like, oh, wow. We're already halfway through August. It's almost fall. It's almost Halloween time. It is. <laughs> October is right around the corner. Um, it's pretty exciting. As you can see, wearing the t-shirt, the Halloween and t-shirt. this past Friday was? Friday, Friday the 13th. 13th. It was, yes. Hope everyone watched their uh, favorite Friday the 13th movies. Uh, but again, on the Rotten Tomatoes thing, like you shouldn't put that much stock into it. You have to remember that the reviews are the opinions of the people that write them. Right. So, and always read the reviews too, because sometimes I'll see a positive review and then I'll read it. And the guy was like, yeah, it was okay. <laughs> You're like, is that really a positive review? Like, I don't know. That's to me, that sounds negative. And I then did. you'll read a negative review. And I think the issue sometimes is how they rate them. Like, some of the negative reviews I've read have been like, they gush about it, but then they're like, yeah, the plot could have been better. And it's like, negative. And you're like, well. Well, it's like this, the second movie that we're going to review. Some yes. of the, yes. the like very low score, but it's like, the actor played too realistic for me. And he seemed like an everyman. And that's not what I want to see in a movie. It's like, wait, so you're saying he did an honest portrayal about the situation. Yes. And that's not good enough? Is that, that uh? Well, and before, because I actually do want to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our next segment, Wayne, our yeah. reviews of the week. All right. So this week, we're going to start off with the stupid teen movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this one was a, it was hard to get through. Look, my wife loves these movies. They're like the new Twilight for her. She knows they're bad, but she can't stop watching them. Uh, she was very excited to watch this film when it came out on Wednesday. And that is The Kissing Booth 3. So The Kissing Booth franchise is a movie series centered, it's a book series, which honestly I didn't even realize till the third movie that it was based on a book. I was like, based on a book? What? Mm -hmm. Um, It's about two best friends who make this list to like always be in each other's lives and do these things together. And it, uh, the whole series centers on The Kissing Booth Mm -hmm. and where she kissed her best friend's brother for the first time. And that kind of sparks flew and a romance ensued. And so then we get three movies. So the kissing booth three is their last year in high school, uh, for the, the two best friends. And the, the brother is already going to Harvard. That's the second movie. No, but the, the third one, he, well, no, there's summer. Sorry. It's their summer. The after the graduate. It's after. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. He's right. It's the second movie. He's all kind of blend together. <laughs> it's really one like, long wait, movie. What's the timeline? Yes. Uh, so it, I was partially correct because it is yes. after their senior year, but it takes place in the summer of their se- of the after they graduated because the second one covers their senior year. Yes. So best summer ever. So we'll say it's junior year, senior year, and then the summer before college. And like they literally, it goes from a cliffhanger ish. Which college will she choose? Which college will the poor girl choose? Harvard or Berkeley? To deciding in the first five seconds of the movie. You're yeah. like, oh, well, she chose already. Yeah. <laughs> Which well, you kind of get from the – things change and it doesn't happen like it's supposed, like she wanted it to. But you get from the trailer that she's going to choose Harvard where the boyfriend goes because the whole plot of this movie is to finish off the bucket list that her and her best friend created yes. at the at – the, so the summer 
beach house, mm-hmm. like an hour away from where they live. They have a very nice, fancy beach house. Um, the rich people, because the other girl is not so rich. She has to work. Like, that's their big thing is, like, she has a job and the other people don't have a job. Um, it stars uh, Joey King, who uh, was in, like, White House Down and The Conjuring. Um, they're all, all these actors are in all these movies. That's what they're – the other ones, that's what they're mainly known for. She's the only one I would say that's been I've, – I've recognized from a lot of other things. Uh, Joel Courtney plays her best friend. Jacob El- Elordi plays her boyfriend. Uh, Molly Ringwald, I have yes. to mention her. She was the most famous person, I would say, next to Joey King mm-hmm. in this movie because, uh, like I said, Joey King has been in a lot of things. Um, she seemed like she had more screen time in this one than the previous two, which was nice. Yeah, you could tell in the second one she got a little more screen time and then she got even more mm-hmm. in this one because they end up in this one. So the plot, if you haven't seen any of these movies, the plot is that the mother and Molly Ringwald's character were best friends. The mother died of cancer. Elle's mother, uh, played, Joey King, plays Elle. Mm-hmm. And... Molly Ringwald's character is like her mother, but we really don't get that sense. We get it a little bit in the second movie, and then in this one, she really there's even the scene where she like she like writes her a letter and says like you are my mom yeah. like that. So it's a very emotional scene for the movie. Well, it, it hints at it. They didn't really develop that storyline yeah. or how much the families are intertwined. So, I mean, they they talk about it because. Elle is always with the rich people's family. Yes, she is. But they're her second family, basically, and uh, I, I can relate to that. I I, I have a very close family friend who who uh, my best friend and his family is basically my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can relate to that aspect. None of us were rich though, uh, so we didn't have a summer beach house um, on the ocean. What happened there, guys? Come on. Um, so wait, when you turned 16, you didn't get like an expensive muscle car? No, name? I didn't get a Porsche or a, or a Mercedes or a BMW or whatever the hell you got. Mm. Uh, I got my sister's granddad. Um, it was a nice car, though. Uh, I got a hand-me-down car from yes. my aunt. Mine had the I license plate, though, Carly 45 on it for like my entire high school. So My car was metallic purple. Oh. I actually wish I would have had your car. I like purple. Oh. <laughs> yes, but on the back it said Beverly's Toy. Uh, <laughs> purple, sparkly, Beverly's Toy. Go ahead. Put all those together and where does your mind go? Okay, you win. You win. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Wayne's right. Like this, These movies are rich white kids or middle class white kids with problems, basically. And um, Let me just list some of the issues that I have. So it's the best summer ever. And she's got to save money for college to go to Harvard or Berkeley. And then they're doing skydiving and shark diving. Like that, All that costs a lot of money. That costs now, granted, hundreds he probably, of dollars. I think you just are supposed to assume that his parents probably paid for it or he paid for it. Because uh, they – they that's the other thing. And you find out later in the movie, like she – that's one of the things that – like we're all thinking it because she's working – She's struggling. She doesn't know if she's going to be able to afford college. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about it. She eventually goes off on her best friend and, you know, tells him, like, you don't ever have to worry about anything. Right. And this is something that is important to me. And you're she's being stretched real thin. That's why I thought the whole movie. I was like, she's just doing too much. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, there's just so, like, I'm tired watching her do all this stuff because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to do all this stuff. I don't know what your college experience was like in getting into it, but... I struggled to find a university that I could afford. I ended up I doing junior college. One that would let me in right away. Yeah, so. that too. You know, and you know, she can't choose between them. She ends up choosing USC. It's like another incredibly expensive, incredibly 
you know, like, hard to get into school. And she's like, yes. eh, hey, how's it going? In the video game department. Yeah. So I know, I know like you, you judge my dance competition, but we're, like, basically family now. So, and then, like, at the end of it, too, like, they they all be Look, these movies are trashy. <laughs> this is what I like to call trashy rom-coms. There, there is no... There's no, like, lesson to be learned from these movies. No. Um, they, you know, at the end, you know, they're all, even though she was middle class, she's now, like, seems to be kind of wealthy because yeah. she's now, like, a video game developer and or what whatever. what did she do to her hair at the end? They age everybody six years. Well, I think what Everybody that, looks exactly the same except her. They cut all their hair off. And, well, and I think, I'll tell you what, I think she wore a wig the entire movie, and that was that's her hair. Uh, I think that's what happened. Is she keeps it short, and at the end, she's got, they're like, well, she's a probably like, well, can I just take my wig off and they're like yes. yeah sure why not now, um, I, I get the premise of these things now these are for you know younger i would yeah. say primarily younger we're, people we're not we're not the audience that, that want to see for. a bunch of good looking people on screen all the time yes that's what it is basically and they're living their best life <laughs> hashtag best life now i um, i thought the first two were cute yeah this one was just exhausting for me to get through it is it this one is definitely probably the worst one they um, definitely uh more sexualize the characters in this one too. Now that they're out of college, so they're a little older now. Yeah, lots yeah. of access to alcohol, even though none of them are twenty one. That's the other thing so. too. You kind of have to come up to the come to terms with the fact that they're like drinking beer in public, but they're all eighteen or nineteen yeah. years old. Um, but I guess if you're rich, I guess you can, you know. Well, and that's like I always used to talk to Mannheim about the CW shows like Vampire Diaries, like. They literally had a bar that the teenagers would go. That was their hangout after school. Was a bar. Yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> and it's because more interesting stuff happens at bars. I get it. I understand it. It just doesn't make sense to us that grew up in normal towns that weren't able to go to bars at eighteen or nineteen years old. Yeah. Um, who got turned away? Uh, my buddy of mine who on his twenty-first birthday at midnight still couldn't get into a bar. We had to go to the ranch in in Bartlett over there. So. Ranch it up. But I'm sure these kids wouldn't have that problem. Um, yeah. So, like, this franchise, like, I don't want to, like, dog it because there are people that are fans. Like I said, my wife really loves the series. Mm -hmm. But they're bad movies. They are bad. There are a lot better rom-coms on Netflix that you can enjoy. However, if you like something like Christmas Prince or you like trashy kind of romance yeah, stories, like, it, this fits in that mold, but it's done in the teen comedy mold mm -hmm. so it's that kind of trashy romance in that mold um but there are much better uh, we've talked about before the half of it is a netflix original that i really love um fantastic movie so there are really good ones out there i would even say that to all the boys uh i've loved or whatever that other netflix trilogy they have is better than this one mm -hmm. um so i would even recommend that over this however if you like these kind of like b-grade rom-coms this definitely will do the trick and if you're like my wife, you'll watch it continuously. Um, so there's our review of The Kissing Booth 3. We're going to move on to our next movie, which is something I enjoyed a lot more. Yes. Um, I didn't know much, honestly, Wayne, going into it. I knew it was a thriller, but it mm -hmm. is called Beckett, starring uh, John David Washington. We've talked about him uh, quite a few times on this show. And uh, I did not know that the landscape of Greece was as gorgeous as it was. Obviously, you know the tourist areas of it, but... Even when he's running through the rural parts of it, it yep. is absolutely breathtaking. It really is. And yeah. I mean, even though it's shot in not the best, how do I say this? Um, it's not shot to 
capture the beauty of it and the cute beauty of the landscape is very dull and kind yeah. of, I don't want to say washed out. Like it's intentionally not made to enhance the landscape of the beauty because of the tension yes. and the suspense that's going the on. The grittiness of what's happening. Still, yeah. the landscape is just fantastic. And that's not to knock the cinematography at all. I get what they were going for because it kind of leaves you uneasy. It it's it's very much the cinematography that I that I so it reminded me of a few films. It it reminded yes. me of Breakdown with Kurt Russell, okay. which yeah. is another movie that it, it's a different type of thriller. But it's similar in a lot of ways, and the cinematography was very similar. Right. Lots of wide shots, mm-hmm. lots of tension uh, with with just the camera and how they the angle. The I mean, so this let's give the plot of the movie before we dive into yes. what we really like about Think it. Think the Fugitive. Yes, it's very yes. That's another good example. Um, Beckett stars John David Washington and Lisa Vikander as a couple traveling mm-hmm. through Greece, and they're going to stay at like a bed and breakfast. He's really tired. It's a long ride through uh, Greece uh, in, the, in the mountain. And he falls asleep. The car goes down a hill into a house. She dies because she didn't have her seatbelt on because she right. was sleeping. Um, he then uh, it wakes up in like the hospital, but then he's at the police station answering some questions. What mm-hmm. happened? Uh, he mentions that he saw somebody there. He saw a boy and a, and a woman. Right. And the guy's like, oh, well, nobody lives here. The house is condemned. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, the detective guy. Yes. So he shows back up, and he's going to kill himself. He's got a bottle of pills. He then notices, kind of like out of the corner of his eye, a woman. This is what I'm talking about, the, the, the shots. Like, yeah. It's a nice shot of, like, a, a kind of, like, close-up, but a wide enough shot where you can see the background of him. And you see him, like, taking the pills, and all of a sudden you see it, you're like, wait, what is that? And it's a woman raising a gun mm-hmm. in the background, and she fires a shot at him. Um, and so then you're, you're thrust into this movie. Like, I knew it was a thriller, but I didn't read on what it was about. I didn't watch yeah. the trailer. Some of these movies that we do, I like to go in not knowing much, and this yes. is one of them. Um, so right then and there, I'm like, okay, I like these kind of movies. It reminded me of something like Truth About Charlie, which is a remake of Charade. Uh, you, you have a, a, a tourist in another country who doesn't really know what's going on, but he's on the run. You could even throw in, uh, you mentioned Fugitive, you could throw in Born Identity, Mm -hmm. um, except, or The American. But what I liked about this movie was, unlike something like uh, The American or Born, he doesn't have a particular set of skills. No, then this is what I I was alluding to earlier about people like, Oh well, he doesn't play like you know anything like I've seen before, or he's not heroic. Yeah, really. he's, he's like very everyman. It's like, yeah, if you were in the situation too, you'd probably be freaked the f out too, and that's kind be of acting a damn fool. I thought this the re, the reality that John David Washington brought to this role was incredibly true to how a normal person would act. Yeah, like. I agree. Yeah, I'm I mean, shooting the fire guns at me. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I don't know why. I mean, he, keeps calling, he keeps trying to call the embassy and the police, and he's like, "I don't know what's going on. A cop and another woman are shooting at me. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm in Greece. My girlfriend just died. I don't know what's happening." Yeah. And they keep telling him, "Like, oh, well, we really can't do anything until you come in, or until right. we find you, or at one point until you you turn yourself into the police." One of the people trying to kill him is a cop, yeah. so he's very wary of all that. Um, it does a good job of giving you that, like, don't trust anybody vibe. Right. Well, it centers around uh, somebody's, a political figure's son is kidnapped. Nephew, I think. Nephew, yeah, someone. Yeah. And that is, that's who it turns out that John David Washington sees. Yep. 
when the car crashes and he's in a delirious state before he passes out. Yes. And so that really, there's the, in the movie, Greece is going through like a political change. And there's a, a, a liberal guy who's running for office, but I don't want to give away what the, what the twist is later that we find out from Boyd yes. Holbrook's character yes. who plays the, um, the embassy agent. And just by hearing us kind of hint at it, it's not what you said. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. It's okay. But definitely, uh, I would assume that you enjoyed this one. I did. I, I really, really enjoyed it as well. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it it is one of those movies that again it reminds me of Breakdown. It reminds me of like a kind of like a almost a French thriller too. If you go back and watch some of those ones from like the '60s, it, it feels like that. The music, mm-hmm. the cinematography, the characters—it all feels like that type of a thriller. Um, and it just—I realize I think that I like these kind of everyman type throws because that's what Breakdown with Kurt Russell is about. He's not a former military mm-hmm. man. He's not a cop. He's just a guy on a road trip with his wife, and shit goes awry, but he steps up. Yeah. And that's what this movie is. And he doesn't – that's what's crazy because in this movie, his girlfriend's already dead, so he's already dealing with that. He doesn't step up for her. He steps up because – I think there's two op- There's two reasons he steps up. One, because he knows that's what she would want him to do, and two, because of the kid. Yeah. He keeps asking about this kid, what's going to happen to the kid, where's the kid. So it, it becomes like – his mission to make sure that this kid is okay, even though he has no connection to the kid whatsoever, it's just a child that's been kidnapped. So you you like to think that any of us put in this situation would react in such a way, right? I mean, that's, you'd like you do, you'd hope so, but and he they put him through the ringer, man. Yeah. Like he he's blood. By the end of this movie, he's bloody and broken. But he, he it's yeah. It, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a good movie. Yeah. I really dug it. I'm glad I watched it. It's something I probably will revisit at some point, um, which I can't say that a lot about, about a lot about these Netflix movies. Uh, but this is one that really just kind of it hit all the right notes for me, and it made me realize I think that I like like this is a genre of film that I like. The yes. everyman kind of action. That's not even really I wouldn't call it an action film, but thriller, everyman mm-hmm. thriller. Um, I didn't tell my wife. I don't care. Yeah, right, exactly. For me, it just rings the fugitive. And yeah. not, that doesn't follow any type of similar pattern. Uh, well, a similar pattern, yes. But I would say the main characters that. are very yes. are similar um, in the fact that they don't really know what's happening. It's a guy <laughs> with no other options yes. except to run. Right, exactly. I think that, that sums it up pretty well. He does well a lot of jumping off things where you're like, I wouldn't jump off that. But he doesn't. And, it, and it's realistic. If, if someone's coming at you, yeah. Peace! Yeah, you might. I believe I can fly! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, as you can tell, we're highly recommending yes. this movie. Um, definitely more so than because we reviewed uh, the Malcolm and Marie one he had earlier this year. While the performances were nice in that one, this movie a much better showcase yes. for him, I think. Especially because as good as Alicia Vikander is, like she's out of the movie after about thirty minutes. It's him the rest yeah. of the way. Well, I was so. worried at the start of this movie because it it starts off slow. And yeah, you it's have the to pay slow burn. Yeah. What's going on? But then I think within like fifteen minutes. Stuff starts happening, and yeah. there you go. We're out, we're, out, we're out and running. Yeah, it's a bit of a slow burn, but once it once it kicks off and yeah. the the incident with him being shot it happens, it's then basically that for the rest of the movie. And it's really well done. Uh, it works in today's politics. It works in uh, pr- uh, protests and, and all that kind of stuff that, that are going on in the world all across the world, not just in America. You know, Europe is having a lot of these same issues that we're having. Um, so it works with all of that, and it just – it's just done really well. I, I can't say much more about it. It's just it's a really well made movie that I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, and I wish people or I hope people go and see it. And like Wayne was talking about, like it's 
middle of the road on Rotten Tomatoes, like 55% yep. or something like that. Um, to me, yeah, I would rate it much higher than that. Yeah. So it, it it's just something that I wasn't expecting. Um, he's a great actor. I yes. really am enjoying kind of – we're seeing his career develop, which yeah. I think well, is that's nice. That's the thing. Like people are complaining about his – acting ability. Yeah. It's like, I think he acted fantastic. I think in Malcolm and Marie, he did a great job acting. It's yeah. just other parts of the movie, like the, it the movie as a whole. didn't work as I a mean, whole. We saw him in Tenet. In Tenet uh, uh, obviously, I love him from Ballers. Black Klansman as Black well. Black Klansman is fantastic. Yeah. So he, he is really carving out a nice career for himself. And uh, I think um, sometimes I do think it's hard for people to get past that he sounds like his dad. I think that because even Rebecca, she was like on her phone when I started. She's like, I can't. Like, she, he sounds just like him. Like, I can't. It just, she's like, that's all I, I see is, is him. And he doesn't really look like him that much. He just sounds like see, him. See, for me, when I think of Denzel, I either go to um, Remember the Titans. Yeah. Or where? what's the one he got the the, the Oscar for, or the Academy Award for? Where is it Training Day or Training Day? Or, or course, where he's yeah. got a definite, a definite, definite dialect in yeah. each of those movies. So. Yeah, for sure. I don't get that. You know, like, uh, yeah. oh, he's he's Denzel's son. Yeah, I, I, you had to verify that for me. I like, did. Well, and even when I started watching Ballers, I didn't know. I didn't like, I, and it's in his name. It's John David Washington, so it's in his name. But he doesn't look like he his doesn't. Father, yeah. which is that was that was. I he's think, not the spitting image. No, he's that. not. He's not. But he does have that voice that we all yeah. recognize, and I think it's going to help him in the future. Right now, yeah. I think it's hard, a little harder for people because Denzel still very much out there doing mm-hmm. movies and stuff. So. Um, but what I will be interested in if they ever work together. I would love to see Denzel direct his son in a movie because it's yet to happen. Absolutely. Um, and we also did see him too in the Netflix movie Monster. Remember, it was the kid in prison. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. He was in that one for a little bit. Smaller role. Um, but yeah, so great career uh, so far. Uh, look forward to anything that he does in the future. Uh, definitely check this movie out. Beckett, it is on Netflix as is Kissing mm-hmm. Booth 3. Uh, so is the whole franchise of Kissing Booth. It's a Netflix original. Um, yeah, so that's it for this segment. Let's move on to what we've watched this week, Wayne. Have you anything you want to talk about? I finished that Master of the Universe. And? It ends on a cliffhanger. I heard about so it. I heard there, it, it is yeah. more coming. But, yeah, wow. Like, again, not what you think it's going to be, which is fantastic. Uh, I also started uh, Outer Banks Season 2, which is another... It, uh, take Kissing Booth, but add suspense and all the stuff <laughs> that you wanted from Kissing Booth into it. And that's what you get with Outer Banks. Okay. And you're dealing with, like, rich kids and privileged kids. But still, um, this is very good. Very suspenseful so far. I think I'm only on through episode two. Okay. But, uh, yeah, definitely something to check out as well. So, yeah, Masters of the Universe. I know I've talked about the last two the last two shows. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin Smith and his team did fantastic on that. For Just for the, see it for the nostalgia factor and for the entertainment. And then Outer Banks. Definitely go back and watch season one. Season two picks up right after season one ends. So. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch that one. Um, mm-hmm. It's on my radar. I'm watching right now. I'm in the middle of All American season three. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, towards the end of it. So I really like that show. I think people should watch it. It's a CW show, but it's all three seasons right now are on Netflix. Yeah. Um, starring Tate Diggs. Last night we watched Coda. Uh, it is it stands for uh, Children of Deaf Adults or Child of Deaf Adults. And it's a movie um, starring uh, Marley Matlin, who I think everybody would know is like the the go-to deaf person in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been on Law & Order and plenty of other things. Uh, Amelia Jones plays the only person in her family that can hear. 
And so it's like a coming-of-age story of a girl who her whole life has been the interpreter for her family since she could learn how to sign. That even when she started school, she talked like she was deaf because, and everyone, I don't need to explain it, everybody knows what I'm talking about, because that's how her family talked. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that so she kind of had to get rid of that stigmatism, and now she her family is like they're, they're fishermen, so now she's more like fish all the time. So she's always constantly getting bullied by these assholes at school. Uh, kids are assholes. Um, it's a really well-made film. It's a great coming-of-age story. Something a little different that we, you know, the, I think people haven't seen in, in that type of a coming-of-age story. Um, and I always like to see that story, but done in a different way. And this does it really well. There's a great scene where the parents are watching it. She loves music. That's the whole plot of it. She wants to be a singer, which is, you know, kind of like the irony. Her family can't hear. She wants to be a singer. Um, there's a scene at the end, towards the end, where her dad, they're watching her perform, and all of a sudden the sound cuts out. And you're like, so you're, and they focus more on the dad. So what you basically, you're experiencing the concert as if he, how he would experience it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it was a really kind of like tender moment. And then her and her dad have this moment towards the end where she sings and he puts his, his hands on her vocal cords. And it's really, it's really good, man. It's, it's really, it sounds like it's an Apple plus original. So you do have to have mm -hmm. Apple. I think it's like five bucks a month. So even if you just did it for like a free trial or just for one month, do you have uh, to have Apple record. products to watch it? I don't believe so. I think you can do Apple plus through, uh, whatever, you know, through the internet or whatever. Um, you would probably have to have like an iTunes account. Maybe. Gotcha. But, okay. Um, it's really, really well done. Ted Lasso season two uh, is four episodes in. I love that show. They just had their Christmas episode. It's so good, Wayne. I, nice. You got to watch this show. It's so good. I've been meaning to. I just, I was, I was like, I don't have an Apple product. Right I know. Now. I, I know. My phone, so. I know. It, it's, uh, it's really, really good. Nice. Um, I highly recommend that one. And I've been making my way through the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, movies. Um, I've seen most of them. Uh, there are a couple I hadn't seen before now, but I've seen them now. I've only got one more left that I haven't seen, which is the sequel prequel to the remake, which is coming up next. Right now I'm in the middle of the remake mm -hmm. uh, with Jessica Biel, but I watched the first one, uh, two with Dennis Hopper, three with Viggo Mortensen, which was in the, that was the first time I ever saw that one. Very right. weird. Uh, very weird movie. Four, I watched that one with uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and Renee Zellweger. Oddly enough, the first Chainsaw movie I had ever seen, because it was on TV when I was a kid in 96, so I watched it probably like a dozen times, just because I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. kind of cool Leatherface, whatever. It's a terrible movie, but I will say McConaughey freaking brings it, man. Like, that's how you knew uh, he was going to be somebody. Like, I was telling Rebecca, because she doesn't care anything about those movies. They're both, Renee Zellweger and him. There's a, just like McConaughey's opening line. You're like, okay, so like he was in it when he's even though he knew what kind of movie it was, McConaughey was gonna bring it no matter what. Yeah, and he was great in that movie. It's a terrible movie, but he's great in it. It's so bizarre and weird too. You just have to see it to believe. The first it. time I actually you know took notice of him like actually as an actor, it was in a Frailty, I believe. Oh yeah, so <laughs> just that performance that disconnected kind of well and i had a conversation with my wife because she talked to her like she's like do you think he's a good actor and i'm like well yeah i think the problem was is i'm like you gotta remember you know obviously to chase that but before before he got into the rom-com game he did the time to kill he did amistad so he did these serious movies exactly and people forget about that but he then for the next 10 years was the rom-com king yeah so with frailty and a few things sprinkled in between um 
that's and, mostly what he was known for. Yeah, and you bring up a time to kill. It's like, yeah. I just completely forget. Like I don't, because I, I love that movie, but I just yeah. completely don't connect him with it. I, yeah, it, I know that makes no sense, but it's just how it is for me right it's now. It's like there are two different Matthew McConaughey's. Yeah, they're you know the well, there's three technically. Three, three technically now because you got the the pre rom com, the rom com, and then the post rom com. Um, well, I mean, and then you just got um, Days and Confused. Days and Confused. <laughs> well, that's him. He actually says, "All right, all right, all right," in Chainsaw Four. So, like, that's just Matthew McConaughey being Matthew McConaughey. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, then he goes in, you know, we don't, I don't want to make this whole Matthew McConaughey discussion. But he's a great actor, and you can see it. My point is, is that you can see it even in a trashy movie like yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre for The Next Generation. Um, all right, so that is all I've got for this week. Let's get to the news and notes and stuff, and we'll wrap up the show here. Yeah. All right. So, news this week. Vince Vaughn to star in Bad Monkey from Bill Lawrence at Apple TV. It's about a cop devoted to a restaurant investigator. Catherine Zeta-Jones has been cast as Morticia, alongside who we talked about last week, Luis Guzman as Go- Gomez Adams, mm-hmm. in the uh, in Tim Burton's Wednesday uh, TV show for Netflix. Uh, Clancy Brown, latest to join John Wick 4. The movie's going to have like 90 people in it. Uh, Margot Robbie joins Tom Hanks, Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, and Adrian Brody in Wes Anderson's next film. John Lithgow joins Killers of, of the Flower Moon uh, from Martin Scorsese. Brendan Fraser, was, we uh, mentioned, joined last week, so that cast keeps running out. Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro are leading that movie, uh, and along with Jesse Plemons, I believe, as well. Idris Elba will be voicing Knuckles in the Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. Rachel Brosnahan uh, from... Um, the show on Amazon, I forget what it's called, A Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, joins uh, Walter Hill's Western Dead for a Dollar, Walter Hill making his directorial uh, return after a long time off. Chloe Bennett dropped out of the live-action Powerpuff Girls on CW due to scheduling conflicts. They shot the pilot to that show, then they wanted to reshoot it, I guess in the whole reshoots and stuff, she had other things on the schedule, so she bowed out. Um, Sam Reed is playing Lestat, uh, in the AMC's interview with the Vampire TV series. Uh, delaying movies, uh, once again, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, they are, you know, we're still in a pandemic. We are. And people are, again, being concerned with going back to the movie theaters. And we saw this last week in a movie that we both loved, The Suicide Squad, made a dismal $26 million. People are trying to figure out what happened. Well, what happened was is the Delta variant got everyone scared again, mm-hmm. and they made it available to watch at home on HBO Max, which made it people go, well, you know what, I can either risk COVID or I can just watch it at home. Right. So it just made it – it's sad that when people report the box office, they don't talk about that stuff anymore. They just talk about, oh, how disappointing, and this is one of the worst openings, mm-hmm. and it's like you got to take into account of everything that's going on in the world today. Now, Free Guy this weekend, opening up, same amount, $26 million. Now, granted, for a movie like Free Guy, which is an original, no one's seen, doesn't sound as terrible as something like The Suicide Squad, which is right. a brand in the DC movie, but that's also not great either. But, again, we're in a pandemic. So, movies are getting delayed again. They push back uh, uh, Venom 2. Chances are, I'm pissed at all of you because I told you this, I didn't want this to happen, they're going to push back Ghostbusters, and that makes me angry. Um, if you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. But that's just me being greedy for myself because I want to see Ghostbusters 3 already. God damn it. Um, and wear your mask. Yes, wear your mask. It's not that hard to do. Stop making a political thing. Exactly. Because it's not. 
Um, so yeah, so that it's just something that's happening again. And you know, we I thought we made it through. I thought we were to the other side until this, you know, the mm-hmm. Delta variant. And obviously, we're both taking it very seriously. Uh, you know, our families are taking it very seriously. So we need to, uh, you know, do your part or whatever to just. And again, movies are a small thing when it comes to this. We would like, really like you to live. Yes, exactly. We would. Movies are at the bottom. It's like that's not a thing to really be worried about right now. People are dying again at really high numbers, and that that is something to be concerned with, and that's something you should focus on and want to stop. Uh, I make the movie reference in a joke, obviously, is that I'm dying to see these movies because I'm a movie buff, but I completely understand that what's going on in the world today is a lot bigger than my love of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't want that to be misconstrued at all to the seven people that listen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so on to, uh, oh, briefly, Emma Stone signs on for Cruella 2, even though there was talks of her suing them, but I guess they must have made her a very nice uh, counter offer in that, in that yep. contract. Um, all right, so releases coming up soon. Midnight Mass, a new horror TV series from Mike Flanagan, hits Netflix September 24th. Home Sweet Home Alone with Ellie Kemper debuts on Disney Plus November 12th. Yes, everybody, that is the Home Alone remake. Hmm. There's no trailer, but they announced a date. It's coming November 12th. I can tell you right now, Wayne and I will be reviewing it, so we will tell you if it's good, if it's bad. It stars uh, Ellie Kemper and Keenan Thompson and a bunch of other people. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with it. I can't say I'm excited, but we'll see. Uh, Chucky series gets a premiere date of October 12th. I'm very excited about this. Devin Sawa joins the cast of all the original cast mm-hmm. from the movies. Um, really looking forward to that. Another movie we haven't gotten a full trailer for, Wayne, but I'm, we'll definitely be reviewing and talking about it. The Harder They Fall, uh, Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors Western, which will hit Netflix November 3rd. And there's a little teaser out now. I'm really looking forward to the full trailer. Uh, deaths this week, Brad Allen, Stuntman, and Jackie Chan, protege, dead at 48 from illness. Nicole Hurst, uh, Justin Timberlake, backup singer, dead at 38 from cancer. Uh, Jane Withers, actress and child star, dead at 95. Blackhawk legend, Hall of Famer, Tony Esposito, mm-hmm. dead at 78. Chucky Thompson, Bad Boys Records, producer, dead at 53. Una Stubbs, actress, dead at 84. And Nancy Griffith, folk and country singer, dead at 68. Rest in peace to all those on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll move forward. And uh, end the show. So thank you for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. It's been a wonderful uh, time uh, working on the show for 60 episodes. Thank you for watching and listening to Now Showing with Mike and Wayne.